there. You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast, recorded live at Collective Church in Roanoke, Texas, with lead pastor Rob Carmack. Enjoy the sermon. Oh my gosh. Well, guys, it's so good to be with you today. Um, yeah, I, I love coming here. It's great. And I was early today because the service time changed. <laughs> So I, I feel like, you know, maybe was like, oh, did I not tell you? I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you did that on perp, and I don't blame you. So happy 2022. I had a, a you're supposed to, I don't know if New Year's resolutions are a thing anymore, but I was like, oh, I'll do it, right? So I already met mine, so I think I'm done till 2023. Mine was to learn how to spell the word guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not quite done. I don't know, is it GU or G? Anyway, I'm gonna work on it on the way home. I have some time, but. I mean, I feel like it's, uh, people always, you heard people talk about the trilogy of the last three years, you know, that it's still 2020 or something like that. Um, and it's amazing how, uh, for the first time, maybe we realize how we're not in control and it's being stretched out a little more, like, where people are still surprised that we're not back in control, you know, wait a minute, we haven't regained control that we never had in the first place, you know? And I don't mean that to be cynical. I just think um, it's nice to move forward into a new year knowing that we always had open hands and we were never able to really control the outcome of the health of the world, even though we do things that um, definitely affect it, but to, to be able to control like all the events of the world is outside of what we are able to do. And yet, if I continue to think I am in charge of the world, you know, then I'm just going to get mad all the time or go into despair. So how do we find God in this new year? I think we continue to recognize that we have open hands, that we live our lives, that we understand <coughs> we are responsible for our actions, that we love the people around us, and we also allow God to be God in the midst of everything, right? That connection with God doesn't mean the avoidance of bad things, but maybe the presence of God in the midst of everything. No? So today is, does anybody know? It's Epiphany. Yeah, today's Epiphany Sunday. There we go. Church calendar for the win. I know, it's up in your home, you're like moving it. We, at uh, the, the church where I attend in Waco, we do, we have calendars, church calendars, and all of the, oh, are we videoing this as well? I mean, we have church calendars <laughs> in all of the children's classrooms, and it's wonderful, so they move it around, so my kids are always a little more in tune with what's happening in uh, the tradition than I am, but, so it's Epiphany Sunday, and um, to celebrate Epiphany this week, I went to the movie theater for the first time in a year and a half. And so I did the checking online to see how many tickets had been sold for a movie to know how many people are going to be in the theater. Um, so I am a huge Marvel movie fan and I don't watch many movies, but if it's part of the MCU, I'm, I'm pretty into it. So I really wanted to go see the new Spider-Man in the theater. And so um, I checked how many tickets were bought. Turns out three, which were all on my credit card, plus a $15 small popcorn in a Dixie cup, which apparently is part of the experience. I don't know if I'm just, you know, like now a a 95-year-old 
person going to the theater and I'm like, it didn't cost like this much when I was, you know, back in 2020. Maybe it did. Was it always a million dollars per ticket? I don't know. But from now on, instead of just like sneaking a Diet Dr. Pepper in my bag, I'm putting a kid in there. I'm like, I'm not even, my, you know, my, my grandmother and my mom, I blame them. They used to do that. They would carry these purses into the movie theater. Can you like retroactively arrest someone? You can't, right? <laughs> so anyway, they would put, you know, all these, so we'd get into the movie theater. I didn't know it was illegal uh, until I was, my bag was confiscated in AMC several years ago. But um, anyway, we would get into the movie theater and they would sit, we'd sit down and my mom would all of a sudden unpack the buffet of snacks that she had put in the huge flowery bag for which I was always grateful. And, um, but anyway, so got to see Spider-Man and oh my gosh it I can't tell you how happy I, I mean I don't know if you've gotten to see it yet and you can have your own reviews that's fine don't tell me if it's negative but um, I loved the lineup of characters and it was it was exciting and for me emotional and also provided a lot to process and I'm one of those people that doesn't watch movies very much because I don't know the difference between real <laughs> And, and story and so uh, if I'm gonna watch a two-hour film it's probably gonna result in days of mild obsession about the storyline replaying sequences like well I wonder you know it feels like we could have avoided that if only and you know research finding out what other people are saying that sort of thing so I have a difficult time not being taken in by the stories which is why I can't watch horror films or I, I remember things that I watched in a film from fourth grade they stick in my mind things are very intense for me. And um, so what I do to kind of lighten that up, if I find myself in the abyss of why did this person, I'm not spoiling anything, but I'm just kidding. But if I want to kind of draw myself out of that, I always watch the behind the scenes clips of things. Do you guys remember on the DVD when you'd always have like the behind the scenes option or deleted Blu-ray, anybody? Walkman? Okay, well anyway, back in the day, you can ask your parents about that. Um, but anyway, and so I'll, I'll get on YouTube and I love watching behind the scenes. People will say that it ruins the mystery of it when you see the green screen and what's happening. But for me, I feel like it just offers a very helpful perspective. That if I am just thinking about what I can see and yet then I watch this behind the scenes, like what's actually happening at different points, it provides uh, a lens through which I can enjoy it more or maybe a levity to the grief I feel about a character's death, you know? And it, honestly, it just helps, like, to find out that little Tom Holland does a lot of his stunts, I just find it more endearing. It just makes me enjoy the process more, right? So it's behind the scenes one of those things that actually intensify my enjoyment or understanding. And I, I don't know if this is something you guys have ever thought, but I will hear from my kids, are, are those actors kind? in real life, you know, they'll see it. And especially, we struggle with Thanos in, in, in games. And um, is, is this person okay in real life? Like I need to know. And, and so even though we enjoy the theatrics and the dramatic experience and the story, we wanna know what's behind the scenes. You know, how is this person actually, how actually does this play out? There's a famous person and it affects our enjoyment or maybe it should of their music when we find out that they do things that are harmful to other people or they're abusive or those sort of things. We wanna know a little bit more of how things actually are. As much as we love the celebrity and things that we don't understand, there's something very personal when an encounter happens, which 
which is what Epiphany honestly is all about. That's what Epiphany and Spider-Man behind the scenes have in common, <laughs> in, case, <laughs> in case we were all wondering where this is going. That mystery may be intriguing, right? But it's the how it actually is, the behind the scenes, that brings that personal encounter to us in a way that's life-changing. So it's the difference between being entertained or observing and actually experiencing. And that's what epiphany is. So it, in, in the Greek, epiphania is manifestation, the appearance of. So the manifestation, uh, according to the West tradition, it's going to be the magi, the, the wise kings, the people coming from the different nations where Jesus, the Messiah, is being manifested or is appearing to the nations, not just the Jews. So the manifestation, the epiphany that's provided beyond, beyond the Jews. And the Eastern tradition focuses on Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist, where God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and announces the divinity of Jesus and also that Jesus is the loved son, right? So Isaiah 43, the text we are talking about today, fits into that epiphany context, but, but not in the same way that tradition might identify. But holding on to that idea that epiphany is not just about giving knowledge of God, but entering into experience. The difference between knowing about something and enjoying it. Instead of just talking about food, we're eating, right? So epiphany is where we have this information about the coming of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God through the person of Jesus. We have the picture of God being the, uh, the altering agent in the world and changing everything. And then we have the experience of that. And my prayer is that we're not people who just know about, but people who know from an experiential place. Who is this God? Epiphany reminds us that Jesus didn't just come to save us, but to show us who God is, to give us that behind-the-scenes moment. That epiphany is where God pulls back the curtain and shows what actually is. That this isn't just about a baby who is going to redeem the people of Israel, but this is about God coming and drawing all people to God's self, right? Emmanuel, God with us, it changes everything. Amateur theologian and my husband, Brett Gibson, says this. I read it in his blog from forever ago. This is what Epiphany reminds us, that God wants to be known and not just believed in. So that through Epiphany, all of a sudden we're like, oh, so that's who God is. So I'm not just listening to your music, but I'm understanding more of who you are. And not just that, but I'm also learning how to interact with this God. I am part of the people of God, and I'm figuring out what that looks like, right? The behind-the-scene moment, the true glimpse of the divine. It's not about enlightenment. You ever get those, those light bulb moments, and, and people will say, oh, I had an epiphany, or I think Michael Scott's like, I had an epiphany, and <laughs> so I have been saying that all week, and I think everyone's like, you know, it's not funny after the second time, so <laughs> it is. It's still funny. <laughs> But it's not about enlightenment. It's not about having some kind of realization. It's about an encounter with God. So some traditions will call epiphany theophany, right? Where the appearance of God comes in, that it's not a realization. It is an experience with God. And it is often very surprising and very disruptive and always offers life change 
possibilities. So Isaiah 43 follows this bleak description of Israel. At the very end of 42, <laughs> Israel's reflecting on the fact that they have been turds and they have not been responding to God as, as God has asked. And so, um, you know, they, they, have, they have sinned, they have not listened, they have not been who they are as the people of God. Uh, I think of sin as not necessarily like doing bad or doing good as much as not being who you were made to be. You're made to be the loved people of God. So when you don't love others, you're not being who you were made to be. So they were oppressing the poor. They were killing. They were stealing. They were motivated by greed. They were marginalizing and enslaving. They were not being who they were made to be, right? They were offering themselves to idols. And so Yahweh reportedly states, you are deaf and blind, but the Lord commands you to see. No one is as blind or as deaf as God's messenger and chosen servant. Those who see and hear so much, but pay no attention. That's you. Israel has sinned and refused to obey the Lord or follow God's guidance. So God was furious with us and punished us, and we didn't even care. Here's where Israel is, though, when, when, they, when they hit 43. They have been scattered. So the Babylonian Empire swept up many of them. There are some that are left. Others have been taken to other corners of the earth. So when we when we see this language of i will bring you in literally they are dispersed and not there's very few of them that are gathered together so they're living in complete defeat with this question of is there a way forward are we going to exist as a people the past is the past seems like there's no way out the present is very damning and the future seems pretty bleak very empty so Call it judgment, natural consequences, or just the nature of the world, but Israel is in this place where they're not really sure there's a hope for a future past what they can see. Then we get to Isaiah 43, and there's our game-changing two words. Do you guys have the in your bulletin? We'll look at it together. Right? Okay, what are the first two words there? But now, right? But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created Jacob, who formed Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. But now. So, if you are a person who knows literary devices, you know that this is a major discourse marker. This is the, like, hey, look at this. It's the and, or therefore, hence, ergo, from now on. Like, this is like the, hey, if you pay attention to anything, there's going to be a big contrast here. So where we ended in 42 with this, you know, we are suffering and we have completely given ourselves to things other than the person of God. But now means that we are going to hear something that is going to shift everything, that has that ability, that, that is absolutely loaded with just the, the chance to shift everything. Everything is about to change. Okay, but now, that is our phrase that shifts. That is our phrase that takes us from one place to another, kind of that step out. And we all need that moment where what you see is, and it makes sense. I think we've been given this imagination from God, but I don't think we know how to use it. We typically imagine the worst. Um, the worst. We imagine things continuing how they are. It's it's hard, it feels vulnerable to imagine things being better than they are. 
And so we limit ourselves to what we can see. The reality of God means that what I see is not the deeper reality, that what I see is not the end of the story, that there's the behind the scenes, that God is drawing back the curtain to say, I know what you're experiencing in the midst of right now, but I'm going to give you some insight. And that insight comes from the phrase, but now. We're calling the reader to attention. The contrast, things were one way, now they won't be. You were blind, but now. You were dying, but now. You were alone, but now. Descendants of Jacob, I, the Lord, created you and formed your nation. Israel, don't be afraid. I've rescued you. I've called you my, by name. Now you belong to me. When you cross deep rivers, I will be with you. When you go through the waters, you won't drown. When you walk through fire, you won't be burned or scorched by the flames. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, the God who saves you. I gave up Egypt, Ethiopia, the region of Sheba, in exchange for you. To me, you are very dear, and I love you. That's why I rescue you. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. I'm going to bring you together. These are my people. This is our but now, says the Lord. Entering in this inbreaking into the, the midst of the storm that they are experiencing, both internally and externally, individually, collectively, they're in this place where it seems there's no way out. And in that place, the epiphany, the manifestation of the truth of God is, but here's where we're going. You feel like there's not a future, and I'm here to tell you there is. You're not done. You're not done. Epiphany is different than having our own realization because in, in the literary device, epiphany is when a character achieves or gains some kind of insight and then all of a sudden it affects their perspective on everything else that happens in the story. The difference with a divine encounter or divine epiphany is that it cannot be something that we achieve, right? It's not about how good I am at listening or learning or how open I am to it. It is a God-initiated manifestation where God chooses to show up right in front of you and say, hey, this is who I actually am. Have you ever had one of those God glimpses? Epiphanies are not something that are limited to what's already happened or the text that the you know, liturgical calendar uses. Epiphanies are when God shows who God actually is in surprising and disruptive ways. In your world, one of those moments that you really feel like, I, I have some kind of insight into the character of God, or how it's not over, or realizing that whatever has happened up to this point doesn't have the last word, or the decisions I've made are not going to dictate my story. And what has happened yesterday does not have to have a say on what happens tomorrow. The manifestation, the moment where God chooses to show God's self in a way that says, this is who I actually am. Your circumstances may reveal certain parts of your story, but they do not define it. The definition of the person of God comes in those moments where God says, what you're experiencing, your feelings, your fears are real, but there is a deeper reality. There's always what we can see, and then there's what's going on behind. And it doesn't mean that the current experience is not painful and scary and disorienting and, and confusing. It just means that it's not the only thing that's happening. That behind the scenes, there is a God who is committed to a covenant that God made forever ago. 
that the God who calls you by name is still the God who takes responsibility for your life and your well-being and is driven by love and rescues and redeems and it's not dependent on your circumstances. Whether you have created the chaos you live in or that chaos has happened, whether the Israelites were suffering as a result of their disobedience, their oppression of the poor and orphans and widows, or if they just were swept up into the Babylonian Empire. Either way, there is a God who is still active. The reason the church calendar continues to come back to the events is because it didn't happen once and for all. God created the world, but God is the God who creates. God is constantly creating new opportunities, new vision, new ways of seeing the world, new ways of loving that God is always in the business of creating and redeeming and moving us forward. That's what Epiphany is, the manifestation of a currently active God in the midst of your world now. That's the behind the scenes. That's the perspective that draws us out when we get too deep in what's happening right in front of us. What has already happened, what we're afraid will happen. Epiphany is when we get light that we need. Again, when God is shown as God actually is. Isaiah 40 through 55 is shocking because we might know the story where we know God is going to continue to redeem and pursue God's people, but they don't know that. They don't have that insight. So we always read it as people who kind of cheat, kind of like me giving you spoilers, like why Bruce Willis sees dead people or where Harry Potter got his scar or those things. Did I, everybody's like, oh no, we didn't know. And so now we hate you. That's good. Take a number. Um, but it's, it's not as if they had the same information. And so we are currently, probably, most of us, all of us, in situations where we don't know what's going to happen from here. And it's in that point that we need that inbreaking. And that is what is so radical and powerful and wild about God speaking to Israel in this place. And it's not when they're necessarily ready. It's not necessarily when they're asking or they're like, okay, we're ready to act differently now. It's when God chooses to manifest, when God initiates and comes in and has the opportunity to change everything. I will do what you cannot imagine. What does Epiphany say about the redeeming character of God? I will do what you can't imagine. That you're limited in your experience. And it's not, I don't even think it's a, an indictment. I really think it's more about the person of God. I really want to make it about my ability to hear and listen and pay attention, but God speaking is less about how good we are at listening and more about God's willingness to speak. God wants to be known. That's why the appearances, that's why the theophanies, that's why the epiphanies, right? And there are times when we walk through waters and yet somehow we survive. Other times we walk through waters and we feel like we're two seconds away from drowning. Times we walk through fire and we're amazed at how we feel above it. Other times we think we're probably not going to make it the next 15 seconds. And 
God's people through everything are still God's people, still called by name. It doesn't shift, right? That your place as a person created out of the love and goodness of God was not something you earned, therefore not something you can lose. So maybe you feel far away or like you're in a place of bitterness or comparison or insecurity, shame, hatred. But epiphanies are still happening, right? God is still calling us together. You may have forgotten who you are, but I haven't, God says. Another thing to note is that epiphanies, you know, in, um, in movies and stories, tend to happen to one person. Right? Tom has an epiphany about who he is. The princess bride learns who the masked guy is, okay? Um, Luke learns he should have given Darth Vader a Father's Day card, okay? <laughs> but epiphany in, in our scripture is to the collective church, okay? It's a word for the body. It's a word for the people of God. You guys are at an interesting point in your, your, uh, your journey together as a church, right? And the word is always that no matter how the shift happens, the people of God are never forgotten. There's always a future. There's always hope, no matter what that looks like. It might not be something that we can contain, control, or predict, but that God has not forgotten and God is present. God is present. You may have forgotten who you are, but I haven't, says the Lord. So where, where are you today, you know? Walking through the waters, the fire. Do you feel distant? Do you feel like the Israelites scattered, you know, where you're not even sure how you would come back? In fact, I think there's places that, that I've been, I don't know that I could have come back on my own. I had to be gathered. When Yahweh talks about going out and bringing back, and he says to the nations, give my people back. I want my sons and my daughters back, like this pursuing way, like kind of like the grandpa with the shotgun. It's like, no, seriously, give them back or you'll be sad, okay? But this pursuing fierce loyalty and love, this covenant that still stands no matter what, I am always going to come after you, always, 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 individually, collectively, you're mine. You're mine. You can't really change that. Even if you don't want to acknowledge it, even if you want to live outside of it, you are loved, right? Do you feel lost? Do you feel disconnected? Do you feel alone? Because wherever you are, God enters this scene. And it may not be in a way that's easy to recognize, but it's definitely in a way that shows who God really is. Whatever has gone on, the, the but now, who God actually is. Some realizations rely on you to, to observe it, right? Like, you have to see it as a manifestation in order for it to be an epiphany. But the truth of God is that these appear, and people have missed it for thousands of years. I don't know why... <laughs> It must be, God must be very secure. It doesn't, 
clearly doesn't struggle with people pleasing or insecurity, but that God does this in a way that's more invitational, not like grabbing us and being like, you will be healed, you will follow, you will listen, but this is reality and you're welcome to join in. Live in light of what is, not in light of what you see. People continue to miss it, but now the future is certain. Situations seem to know, show no signs of hope. For Israel, who sees no end to their pain, God says, you have no idea what I'm able to do. And this God glimpse holds deeper truth for us as well, that this is an encounter that no matter what has happened before, God is, God is present, God is working. This is not a dead being whose words we still can learn from. It's an active love and life that is constantly breaking into our world. And God's rescuing and creative love will always have the last word. Let's pray together. You are the God who creates. Help us to understand that you are the God who manifests the truth of who you are, that the reality you show is what will give us what we need for today and for tomorrow. Help us to receive the truth that your covenant with us is everlasting, that your love is not limited, that wherever we are, at whatever point, you are willing to interrupt with the truth of your presence and the gift of your mercy. Guide us, Lord. I pray for this community that they would know and live in the truth that you have called them by name and that we, God, belong to you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So I want us to stand together. So our, our epiphany prayer that we started praying with um, her youngest, with Elia, when she was three. Um, just like a little prayer every night. And so can we, can we stand together? So this is what, <clears throat> during the epiphany season, God, and it, it kind of just kept going or whatever. God, thank you for showing yourself to us. Now show yourself through us. Okay, thank you for showing yourself to us. Now show yourself through us. So can we say that together? God, thank you for showing yourself to us. Now show yourself through us. I like that. Grace and peace to you guys. Thanks for letting me be here. Oh, yeah. <laughs>